The kings of old had absolute power. People lived and died under their fancies. A king only had to give a command and it was done. Just imagine the kind of power. Kings were feared and worshipped. Their words became law. Whatever they wanted, they got. The Bible is rift with the excesses of power of kings in history. A Babylonian king who demanded that his people worship a statue. One who had young and beautiful virgins delivered to his harem and much more. There was no democracy in a kingdom. The kingdom was the domain over which the kings had influence. With that domain, the king owned the land and had tremendous wealth. They were called sovereigns, which means supreme rulers or someone who possesses ultimate power. But today, we celebrate a different kind of king. Not a king that rules by might and force, but a king who rules with grace and mercy. In the gospel reading for today, Jesus is before Pilate in the Praetorium, which could have been either the headquarters of the Roman military governor or his residence. He's asked by Pilate, are you the king of the Jews? Now by this time, Pilate and those around him was already involved in this case and he knew who Jesus was. Matter of fact, Pilate was the one who sent a detachment of troops to arrest Jesus. For him, this was actually his first look at the man they all felt was dangerous. But nevertheless, he asked the question. Jesus then inquires if Pilate was asking for himself or for someone else. And why was this important? Jesus wanted to know from Pilate if he was asking on his own behalf or of those who have already condemned him because the answer could have been different depending on who was asking the question. If, Pilate, who if it was Pilate who really wanted the answer, he would have been asking on behalf of Caesar if Jesus was a political leader or a king. If he was asking on behalf of Caiaphas, the Jewish high priest, it would have meant, are you the messianic king of Israel? Jesus responds to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, it is not from here. The Romans built their kingdoms on armies, navies, swords, and battles, but Jesus knew even then that his kingdom would be mightier than Rome and would continue to expand and influence even when Rome passed away. When Jesus was crucified, they placed the banner over him which stated, Jesus, the King of the Jews. So the question for us this morning is this, is Christ our King? Is Christ the King of my life? Is Christ the King of your life this morning? There are many wonderful passages in the Bible which speaks to the kingship of Christ in our lives and what it means to us. And I wish to mention a few of them this morning so we understand and have a greater appreciation that Christ is and ought to be our King. In Romans chapter 8 verse 14 to 17, the Bible declares to us this morning, For all 
who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We do not receive a spirit of slavery, but rather a spirit that makes us children of God. And if children, then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Note here, my friends, Paul did not say to us, as many of us that go to church, as many of us that read our Bibles, as many of us that take communion are heirs of God. The test for this heirship or citizenship is whether or not we are led by the Spirit of God, which we receive when we join with Him. We are only led by the Spirit when the Spirit is allowed to have governing authority over us, when the Spirit is allowed to guide and direct us, when we allow ourselves to be drawn by the Spirit of God. Yes, we are led by the Spirit when we allow the Spirit to lead us to repentance, to truth, to love, to holiness, to usefulness, to thinking little of ourselves and much more of Jesus. Christ, our King, provides us with a sure home, a place in his heavenly kingdom. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 28 to 30. Jesus gives an invitation to all that were listening to him. Come unto me, he says, all who are labored and are heavy laden. Here Jesus calls all unto him and drives none away. Jesus does not only invite those who are laboring and working hard, but he also invites those who are heavy laden, those whom others have placed burdens upon. In Matthew 23 and 4 we read, They tie heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others. Jesus is calling these as well. That is what the religious leaders of the day were doing to the people of the day. But as Jesus invites them, then as he is now inviting us, he offers a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. Jesus is here offering a solution to life's problems, the difficulties, and the pressures of life. In antiquity, the yoke that Jesus is replacing may have been the legal and ethical demands by the scribes and the Pharisees, which became social and political oppression for people which were often unreasonable demands. Jesus' yoke, unlike that of the scribes and Pharisees, is one of learning, discipleship, which brings not weariness, but rest for our souls. The only requirement really is that those who come to him must recognize their need for help and be willing to accept his yoke and learn from him. Jesus, the king, is a servant king. Unlike kings of the past, Jesus is not a tyrant or one about himself to impose his will upon us. Rather, he's a servant king, one who is willing to serve even the least amongst us. The role of a king is to look out for the needs of others. Jesus left his heavenly kingdom and came to this earth so that through him we may have life in its abundance. In order for him to achieve that, he had to suffer and die for our sins. And Mark's Gospel chapter 10 and 45 declares for us, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. His life demonstrated the reversal of all human ideas of greatness. 
He assumed the form of a slave who performed his service until death because he, this was the will of the Father for him. Jesus' life of servanthood, however, ought to be an example for us today. His was an example to the disciples who were to live their lives after the pattern of humility that he had demonstrated with his sacrificial obedience. And finally, Jesus is coming back for us. Our King is coming back for us. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, Jesus comforts the disciples and continues the promise of a place in his Father's kingdom. He also states, I am going to prepare a place for you, no doubt because of his love. But what is most interesting is that Jesus does not leave the finding of this place for those of us who follow him, which he believes by now we should know. And he was disappointed when Thomas asked the question, Lord, where are you going? We do not know the way. Jesus felt by then that Thomas and the rest of the disciples knew where he was going and they knew how, he was, how they were going to get there. But Jesus' response to Thomas' question was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so he does not only come and sacrifices and gives his life as a sacrifice for us as our king, but he also comes and he gives us a way to that kingdom that he's gone. And he goes on and he says, yes, I have gone. I am going to prepare a place for you and I will return for you so that where I am, you may be also. That is the kind of king that we serve. We are assured of his return to take us with him on that great resurrection morning. Friends, we certainly cannot go wrong in this life with a king who claims us as his own and considers us to be core heirs of his father's kingdom. We certainly cannot go wrong with a king who is willing to do all he can to make the burdens, the difficulties, and the pressures of this life that we endure more easier for us. And we have all been through so much in the last two years. And our lives continue to be crushed sometimes. We feel so downpressed and like as if the world is coming in on us. But thank God, Jesus is our king. Thank God that Jesus is still looking down and trying and working hard every single day to provide a way for all of us. Whether it is through a friend, whether it is through an organization, whether it is through the church of God. He continues to work hard to make our way easier. And we certainly cannot go wrong in this life with a king who is willing to serve us and to return to take us into his father's kingdom. That is what we are promised. And so as we come to the end of this kingdom season, our kingdom time, and we look to Advent, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the King, may I remind you again that Christ came into this world so that we may have life in abundance. And when we surrender ourselves to him, he makes the life that we live more meaningful, more useful, and we enjoy life. When we surrender ourselves to Christ the King, the life that we live becomes a life of abundance where we can share and we can take care of others and not just ourselves. If you truly desire the abundant life where God is able to supply our needs according to his riches and glory, 
and a life of satisfaction and contentment, Jesus still says, come unto me. Jesus still welcomes us. Amen.